Well, hello you, and welcome to the season three finale of our Gilmore Girls podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Gilmore Girls is the coffee, and we're the shot of cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And today we'll be discussing episode 22 of season three, Those Are Strings, Pinocchio. Well, it's Um, the season finale of season three of the podcast and of America. Yeah, so before we jump in to our discussion we have a couple of things to bring up first one of which is the elephant in the room and eleni said she would take the lead on it because we're both a bit emotional as can be expected so we're both a bit emotional about what's going on with the presidential election in the united states of america Mm -hmm. um as of this recording uh we're still counting votes Yep. I don't know why I'm saying we as if I'm in the thick of it, but whatever. Uh, People are still counting votes and it's too close to call. And we had a whole discussion about it before we started recording and we're both a little discouraged and we're both a little emotional. And um, hopefully by the time you hear this Friday, things will have been resolved and God help us, maybe there will be a new president. Um... But I'm, I'm, I'm like hurt. <laughs> yeah, and understandably so, even though I was saying, like, I mean, I've said before, it's a, it's a shame that we as Canadians have to become so invested in the United States politics, even though that this year, I think we have to be invested in it. But it's just, it's very draining and we have no control over it. Like, we're Canadians. Like, why do I have to, why do I have to care this much, you know? Yeah, and, um... This all ties together with one of the themes that we wanted to touch upon in this podcast anyways. So, um, yes, we're invested and we haven't, like, we haven't stayed silent as you follow, if you follow us on Instagram or on uh, podcast, on Twitter, you know that we haven't stayed silent. We've tried our best to, like, lend a hand. Um, We made a voting guide. We posted links to stuff um, because I felt like it was the least we could do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, the very least. Like, you people are so far gone, you need our help. Well, uh, (laughs) but, yeah, it was just, it was our way of contributing as much as we could because we have no, because we don't have a voice, we we don't have a vote, right? But it was us kind of supporting you and saying we're here for you. Um, That being said, let's piggyback off of that to say that we got a lot of backlash We got some support, but also a lot of backlash because it's always the idiots that you hear from. Yes. Um, So we post we post what we want on our page. Sometimes it's political. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's whatever. It's our page. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we got we got some support and then we got some backlash for posting I guess our opinions. I don't know. (laughs) So Yeah, go ahead. I don't think, and I, you know, you know, I have some thoughts about this, so we're going to, you know, tread lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the backlash was centered around, obviously, was had a lot to do with um, us discussing American politics on our page. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was centered around the issue that this is a Gilmore Girls fan page and you're not posting solely about Gilmore Girls. And that's where I just lose my mind as you and everyone else probably knows by now yeah so and by the way we are not the only um we're not the only fan i guess we can call ourselves a fan account but we're not the only account 
that this has happened to Mm-mm. because when you posted um well when you posted what you posted about how this is our our page and we could post whatever we want we got a lot of comments from people um saying yeah like people do the same thing to me like as soon as i diverge a little bit from whatever this account is i get so much shit and it's just so annoying <laughs> so i feel like i feel like there's, there's a lot of things to unpack here um mm-hmm. m- like we know that it's definitely rooted in the american political situation happening right now and that people are looking for a bit of an escape and they don't want to see apparently us on a fan page talking about it and whatever. Like I get it. You probably, maybe you follow us for fun Gilmore girls fandom content. And I hope you continue to follow us for that reason, because we do, that's what we do. But um, it's also speaking to uh, a toxic culture that exists solely on Instagram, like not really on Twitter at all. From what I can tell, it's mostly always on Instagram where um, you think that the rules are we're a Gilmore Girls page. So we only have to post about Gilmore Girls. And in order to maintain a following and a feed, we have to post only in our theme and never deviate from that theme. And that kind of that kind of affects everybody on Instagram, I find, not just fan pages. Like, I think if you ask an influencer you know, pardon my use of the phrase, that they'll probably tell you a lot about that toxic culture too, because you you build a following on this theme and like, oh, God forbid you deviate from that theme. Like, I'm sorry, life is not just one theme. Like real life is a bunch of emotions, a bunch of themes. Like, I'm sorry, do you live your real life based on one theme? No, yeah. Is that how that works? Like, no. So, and I've, and so in that um, paragraphs long, post that I made that I wrote which I think in my opinion was very respectful yeah I, I, say. Um, I just clarified that like you know a lot of people probably don't listen to our podcast who follow us on Instagram and that's fine like if you follow us just for fun Gilmore Girls fandom content that's great yeah. um, you're not obligated to listen to our podcast but I just ask that you please understand that this is our page for our podcast and we're permitted to post whatever we want, Gilmore Girls related or not. And we don't come on your page and tell you what to post. So before you come here and send us a nasty comment, maybe take a breath and just don't. Yeah, because I have to say the messages have been pretty nasty. Like, so shall we, t- shall we talk about some of these nasty messages that are not only about our political opinions? No, so we've gotten a, like, and this is what I also wanted to talk about is because we've gotten a lot of comments about the things that we post that are Gilmore Girls related mm-hmm. and they're our opinion but like people want to come at us hard about it yeah and especially in the last few days and I'm gonna I'm and I'm willing to justify or rationalize the last few days as everyone being a bit riled up on social media yeah, myself sure. included as you can attest yes I think so. Yeah. But like, I'm not, I'm guilty of it too. You know, like I'm not immune obviously to what's going on. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot. We get it. (laughs) It's a lot. Yes. But at the same time, like don't take out your aggression on us, please. Exactly. Yeah. We're not the enemy. No, we are definitely not the enemy. We're trying, we're just trying to help. (laughs) Um, but I think the one that really, really hurt, well hurt, hurt is a strong word, but it did. It hurt me. Um, we got, um, 
we got a DM from somebody after we posted our little uh, Twitter thread about what we wish Jess would have said to Rory after the party. Mm -hmm. So if you remember, I posted in our story and I said, like, imagine if Jess had just called Rory and said or went over and said, um, you know, I'm sorry about what happened at the party. I wasn't trying to pressure you to have sex. This isn't about sex. It's just blah, blah, blah. I'm not graduating school, blah, blah, blah. Can you forgive me? Like, whatever. I said something of that kind, right? Yeah. And so we got a DM from somebody who screen who took a screenshot of the story mm-hmm. and who wrote to us, stop normalizing rape. Yes, which, like... Still to this day, it's very confusing to me. So, okay, so she wrote that, and then I was, like, very confused. I just saw the the, the message because I didn't see that she had screenshot the um, the post, and I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? Mm-hmm. I was like, what did I do? <laughs> like, I didn't know. I didn't, I, I, I couldn't find, like, I didn't see it right away, you know? Yeah. And I was like, we're not. Like, I don't understand. I don't get it. <laughs> So I, um, so then she, she, she wrote a bunch of messages back. She, he, she said that we were trying to justify Jess's behavior, um, that night when he forced himself on her, even after she said no many times, you guys aren't exactly condemning rape, huh? Like with a bunch of question marks. And so I responded back to her. I said, I, at this point, like, I'm kind of in shock. Cause I was like, if anyone knows me, mm-hmm knows that like that's not something to accuse me of <laughs> condoning rape is not something to accuse me of no um like i've gotten into literal family arguments with people about rape behaviors and like false rape you know when everyone hits you with the like that's a false rape report and i'm like shut the fuck up like you know yeah so, to me it was really offensive so i was just like i was trying to stay calm trying to trying to understand what the fuck she was saying and i said um, I said something like, if you had listened to the podcast, you would have known that we we said his behavior was shitty, mm-hmm. um, that we didn't condone his behavior at all, that he should absolutely not use the fact that he wasn't graduating high school to try and force his girlfriend to do anything and all mm-hmm. that stuff, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I said, and him getting mad at her and yelling at her was also not okay. And we said that as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So she had the audacity to reply back. I don't listen to the podcast, but I did see a tweet from your page that said he was stressed. So his behavior was normal. We never said that. Mm-mm. We never said that. And then she said, she goes on to say he just needed to explain why he wanted to have sex with someone who said no. And rape is rape. It's not a stretch. Sexual assault is sexual assault. That's not a stretch. Oh, my good Lord. And then you blocked her, right? I blocked her because, like, this is obviously not going anywhere because I had also told her that calling what he did rape was a stretch. It, uh, okay, without, um, you know, implying that I condone rape, apparently, yeah, or, that I I think, or that I think there's false rape reports, whatever the hell that means, yeah. um, sorry, there was no rape in this scene that we're referring to. Like, yeah. um, forcing himself on her, yes. Rape means that, you know, there was actually, like, that actually had to have happened, which it didn't. And listen, um, by the way, this is just one example of what we're dealing with sometimes in our DMs. Yes. 
Um, and the reason we bring this one up is because this is an instance where we did actually block the person. Uh, and then I, I kept thinking about that night. I didn't sleep, by the way. And I told Jeffrey, as trivial as it sounds, I think it really was that that conversation really affected me, mm-hmm. which really sucks because like we do this, like we've said before, we do this for fun. Like yeah. this is something silly that we do to like blow off steam for you guys that listen. We love interacting with you guys when we talk about theories in a respectful way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the, the fact that somebody could take something like this that we do for fun and that we do as an escape from like our normal lives and turn it into like rapists, like it's just for me, it's a lot, you know? Yeah. And I'd also like to point out yeah. that um, I know for a fact that all of the hate that gets generated at us, most most on Instagram, because in comparison, our Twitter page is widely unpopular. Yeah, I know. Um, Twitter apparently. <laughs> yeah. So I just like to say that I know for a fact that it's not people who are listening to the podcast who send us this hate and these comments. Like I know that people who listen to the podcast, like they get us and that's why they follow us. It's the yeah. people who see us as a fan page. They apparently like Gilmore Girls and they follow us, I guess. I know a lot of people also find our Instagram page on their discover mm-hmm. um, uh, tab on Instagram. So like I'd like to I'd like to say on on the one hand I get it that you don't listen to our podcast but on the other like the audacity like the lion the witch and the audacity of this bitch to come on our page and just think that you can tell us what to do first of all but also just like think what you're the queen of the world and you're always right and you have all the answers like it's not new this is not you know something that doesn't happen on other people's pages with like it's just a general theme with social media that people are stupid and think they know everything and want to fight but you know just remember that when you fight on social media like you're fighting with a real person like it's not a bot that you're fighting with like we are real people with real emotions like it's like again we we say we don't take it personally but it's like i don't blame you for taking the whole that whole rape conversation personally because like who are you to come on our page and send us a message, like a private message and say, stop condoning rape? Like as if, to, as if to say like, we're, you know, Republicans who do that kind of thing. Jesus. But you know what I mean? Like, don't, yeah. why would, like, it's just, remember please that we are people, not robots. Yeah. And I also want to say like, this was coming off of another conversation that I had had with somebody Um, where she basically told me that my experiences as a woman weren't valid, not just a woman, but a woman of, um, let's say ethnic descent Mm -hmm. were not valid. Remember that lady that told me that, um, yes, I do remember that because that was she like that whole interaction inspired the, um, sentence in my Instagram post addressing this issue saying, like we don't come on your page and tell you what to post or that your or that your experiences are invalid because we've yeah, also because, dealt with that yeah because this lady basically told me like we were having a conversation it started off really polite she whatever we veered off to the subject of um because I had posted something about Kamala Harris saying I'm speaking mm-hmm. and I said something like teach teach your daughters to do this because I have had the experience both in my personal and professional life where I, I constantly get interrupted by men mm-hmm And I'm always too shy or too afraid to say, like, I was speaking or, like, or even just come back to my point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And like I said, this has happened both in my family life um, and at work. And I just, 
you know, it's up to me to kind of grow some balls and say, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but whatever. So we were having a conversation and she said, personally, I don't think this is just a woman issue. Like, I, I teach both my kids. I have a, she said, I teach both my kids. I have a son and a daughter. I teach them that when they get interrupted, say, no, I'm sorry, I was speaking and finish. And it was really respectful. I said, listen, I think that's really important that you teach both your kids that because um, people need to be hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was the end of that. And she kept like needling. She kept saying like, well, you can't speak for men. Men get interrupted too. And oh I was like, God. and I was like, yes, I understand that men get interrupted too. But I'm telling you my experiences as a woman coming from a ethnic background who has constantly had to like defer to men who, you know, like, it's just, I, I was telling her about that, you know? And then she was asking me these really weird questions about, like, well, do you have a twin brother? Like, what? And I was like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything if I have a twin brother? Well, she goes, well, I didn't say fuck, but I was like, what does that have to do with anything? And she said, well, because you're only speaking about your experiences. What about their experiences? Um, Let's, okay, let's just halt it right there, lady, and just no, say no, no, that. No, 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 um, here's the thing. Wait up, wait up, wait up. I don't want to get into it, but what I'm saying is, like, it's just how, like you said, how dare you come on our page when I'm expressing a view and tell me that my experiences don't matter on my page? Yeah, that. And also, what planet are you living on where you don't know that um, men have had their voices heard for, since the dawn of time and women yeah. have been oppressed? Like, I'm sorry, what, 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 what universe do you live in where that's not uh, just a cold-hearted fact? Like, I'm... Mm. Yeah. And then she, whatever, she kept like, then she flipped it and played the victim and said that we were attacking her. Yeah, because then I jumped into the conversation. And I said, just Definitely you know, jumped in like a knight in shining armor. And I'm just saying it's really shitty for you to come on our to come into our messages and tell us that our experiences, well, your experiences, yeah. um, are invalid or don't matter. And she's like, "Why are you swearing at me? We were having a we were having a, a civil conversation." So you started swearing at me. I'm like, "So by the I, way, we- Jeffrey didn't swear. All he said was the only, I guess, only swear word that he said is he goes to her. It's really shitty of you to come on our page. That was the swear, and like, uh, it was just a lot. It was a lot." Yeah, so I think maybe I think maybe the the solution here is that we should probably stop um, interacting as generously with people on the internet because you know, as listeners, our our lovely fans, that um, we like discussing with people and we like having an open dialogue with people in the Gilmore Girls fandom. But when it comes down to discussing things that don't really have any relevance to what our page is about, again, not to say that I don't like posting things that aren't Gilmore Girls related, but when it comes down to the fact that we're not really having an open dialogue with anyone in particular about what our podcast does, mm-hmm. um, I think we just need to call it a day and like not engage as much. Not, yeah, to, say, not think... to say to stop talking, but like if it comes down to this person looks like she wants to fight, I'm not engaging, you know? like. Yeah, so that's the thing. I think, so we had that interaction, then we had the rape apologist interaction, um, and then I... And then I I started to think about it. I'm like, I'm seriously sitting here losing sleep over the fact that these people are nuts. You're nuts. (laughs) Um, So I I really have to sit myself down and have a talk with me (laughs) Mm -hmm. and say, like, sometimes it's just like read the room. If they're if they're ready to, like, fight with you, it's not worth your fucking time. 
yeah real like it's not worth your time because I know myself and I know that I'm going to take it personally so why would I even engage so Mm -hmm. all this to say that uh, we do love interacting with you and we will continue to do so but I also told myself that I'm going to be using the block button a lot more liberally (laughs) yes and I've actually you know even since when we back when we started the podcast in 2019 I even said like I'll block a bitch who comes from me. And like, that was me being a bit melodramatic, but like now that we've, you know, made a page that's been generating a bit more attention than when we started, it's like, um, not really being dramatic anymore. Like if you come at us and just want to fight over nothing, it's like, this is our page, our space. Like that's how, that's kind of like the liberal freedom of social media is that we get to control who comes on our page. And if, we think you we don't want you in our space because you're just spewing garbage at us then bye yeah um yeah we can leave it at that i think <laughs> and also one last thing oh, yeah. um after you after you recommended i take a bit of a break from our page just because i was i too was buying into everybody's aggression on social media in the last few days by the way it wasn't just you it was me saying like let's just both take a breather <laughs> Yeah, that. So it was both of us collectively. Um, And we also, in addition to making more liberal use of the block button, we will also be making more liberal use of the turn off commenting button on certain posts. Because when people who A, don't listen to our podcast or B, don't even follow us, decide to come into our comments and just write ignorant, stupid, ridiculous things about like about our posts and like you being wrong first of all because clearly you did not understand the post Mm -hmm. um I don't want to feel that or have to see that so you know what off turn off comments bye like you know that's all we have and that's all I have to say about that that's it that's what we're gonna say that's where we're gonna leave it and um hope you understand (laughs) and if you don't uh see ya yeah if you I was about to say if you don't I really don't care (laughs) Uh, it's gonna be a long, like, it's gonna be a long week already because of the shit show that's happening right now, mm-hmm. and I don't have to, like, this is for fun. I don't have to care about this. Yeah, so it's, like, it's kind of a toss-up between, like, wanting to use the platform we've built for good and for spreading awareness about issues that we care about, but mm-hmm. when it comes down to receiving such exhausting backlash, it's just, like, not worth it. It really isn't, so... Um, yeah, that's, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Let's move on to the episode, shall we? Were we actually talking about an episode today, or we're we just getting too political oh, and no, too angry? we're talking about an episode today. <laughs> Great! Did you, did you guys forget we're talking about an episode? Perfect. Let's talk about episode 22. Last episode of the season, Those Are Strings, Pinocchio, and, um, it's, uh, it's an important episode, and you know how I know it's an important episode? How? The town troubadour is back. He is. I I said this before. I'm going to continue to say it. Every time there's a big moment, every time there's a big episode, the troubadour Mm -hmm. is doing his thing. And it's like always more or less around the season finale that he kind of pops up again. Yeah, the last couple of episodes um, are certainly the ones that have, well, in general, have the most tension. Mm -hmm. And uh, no exception here. (laughs) Um, so the troubadour is back. 
it's the first indication that we get that the girls are actually going on their Europe trip. Yeah. Um, they're backpacking through Europe. Again, not for us, but do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, we haven't really heard much about the trip since the episode Dear Emily and Richard. Yeah. But now it's confirmed that they're actually going. And they're very unprepared for... Super unprepared. For the act of backpacking. Like, that actually requires you carrying a backpack. Exactly. Um, But, you know, do you? I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we also find out that Luke's going on a little trip with Nicole. Yes, the love boat. The love boat. So here's the thing. I I have something else to say about this. Because you know how I always nitpick at, like, the locations that they talk about? Mm-hmm. And we also talked about with Samantha about how the show pretends that Boston and Connecticut, Boston and Hartford are really close together. Yeah. And New York, they're like, oh, we're just going to go to New York for the day, you know? like. Yeah. <laughs> and then how I was saying last time that Luke and Nicole were going skiing and it's the fucking month of May. Yeah. Okay, so in this episode, he says that he's going on a trip with Nicole. They're going to drive through Western Canada and then go on a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever looked at a map? First of all, Connecticut <laughs> is on the other side of the fucking Canadian border. Yeah. Like uh, of Canada, I mean, you know. Yeah. Like Connecticut is literally on the east coast. You're gonna the drive east, through Western coast. Canada. Yeah. What? <laughs> that would require like flying to Winnipeg and then driving. <laughs> Or even, like, it just, it made no sense. I feel like the line was supposed to be Eastern Canada. <laughs> just like how they were going skiing in April. But that's in May, even, Jeffrey. Oh, it was May. Yeah, it was May. So, like, I'm just, this show, geography is not this show's strong suit. No, and as soon as you listen in, it's like, what? And again, part of it is because we're 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 analyzing, right? So we pick up on these things. If you're just watching the show casually, it's normal that you're not picking up on them. But I'm like, what the fuck? You're driving? Like, that would require you to drive 48 hours to Western Canada mm-hmm. and then get on a cruise and drive back to Connecticut? Would you would you allege or would you argue, for example, that when you watch a show as many times as we've as we've watched this show, Mm-hmm. that um not that not that, like you lose enjoyment but like would you would you say that like once you've seen it so many times and you're like analyzing it would you be like oh like why do you do that like it's almost like you're angry that they didn't they didn't like f- pick up on these little things yeah so I would say that I do this with a lot of shows it's not just this one um and sometimes it's funny like sometimes when I when I see the mistakes or when I pick up on something that I didn't pick up on last time, I'm like, oh, whatever, silly, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. I think because we're looking at it with such a close, through such a close lens now, it's annoying to me more than just like, oh, that's silly. Yeah. Like, Like, yeah, it's an annoyance. These little mistakes annoy me now. (laughs) So maybe we are ruining the show for ourselves. I don't know. It's not, like, it, it depends on the, on the, um on the context for me like if it's just like you said a little silly like 
mishap or they didn't give it much thought like oh who's gonna who's gonna notice like bitch we're gonna notice we started a podcast so that we're gonna pick up on these things like it is yeah so it is a bit of an annoyance that's the thing like and i get it there's there's editing that goes there's a lot that goes into making a show right um but then at the same time i think like how many writers work on a show like one of you couldn't pick this up Honestly, for me, and it, th- this is more just of a charming inside joke at this point, it's that, and we've said it countless times, that the, the layout of Stars Hollow makes no sense. And to me, yeah. that's just, like, it's just charming now. It's, like, how um, on Friends, like, that was not the, like, the uh, Monica and Rachel's apartment was not the matching the the exterior shots. Mm-hmm. So like li- like little things like that you just you know you know in real life they make no sense but within the context of the show it's like it's you know it's charming. No, I get it. The thing I think that bugs me the most about stuff in Gilmore Girls, like the layout of the town, for example, mm-hmm. is that they changed it to suit their purposes. Yeah. Like it's fine if they changed it because like for example, I think of Emily and Richard's house. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning episodes, it was completely different, right? Yeah, the the, the layout was the different. layout and the decor and whatever. But then they changed it and they stuck with it. I think that's that had more to do with like a budget thing, and they didn't know if they were gonna get picked up. Mm-hmm. Whereas the layout of the town, to me, it's just like we're gonna use this to our advantage and like place things strategically because we want to for this episode. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Stars Hollow has a big-ass stationery store when the plot requires them to go to the stationery. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. <laughs> like, Stars Hollow magically has a lake when Luke wants to push Jess in a lake. Or then like, wants Rory to sit longingly waiting for Jess to come hither. Exactly. And then, and even the thing with the school, like, we're going to put the school directly in front of Luke's when he's spying on Jess. Yeah. But for the first couple of episodes, it's all the way on the other side of town. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to call it lazy, but like you said, it's them just suiting, them just like rearranging to suit their purposes as they need it. Exactly. And I'm not going to say like, listen, it turns me off for the whole show. Ugh. No, obviously not. But, you know, we point things out like this because... Well, that's what we do. It's a podcast. <laughs> it's just, and it's just amusing to us having seen it so many times. And I'm sure as many of you have seen it so many times, like you pick up on things and it's like plot holes, little indiscretions. It's like, okay, maybe I've seen this too many times now. Exactly. So it's just, we do it for fun sometimes. And sometimes it's just really annoying to me, like this whole Western Eastern Canada thing. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> come on. But anyways, moving on. Moving on. Um... So Luke, no, sorry. So Lorelai and Suki are in this episode flip-flopping between are we going to buy the inn, aren't we going to buy the inn because of the whole money situation. Yeah. And another thing that really pisses me off, there's no way that tiny place is an inn. Yeah, like on the one hand, the like it looks like, it looks like a, a house. It doesn't look like it's big enough to house as many rooms as it, as it eventually does. Exactly. So another little small detail that sometimes I'm like, oh, fuck off. But <laughs> but they have the where I was going with this is they have Luke inspected so that they can make sure like unofficially inspected so that they can make sure that they're putting a bid in on like a solid foundation and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
And then, surprise, the Independence Inn is closing. Yeah, like, it seems to me that they were kind of leading towards that because, like, how could business go so downhill and they'd be like, still have a job? Exactly. Uh, So we learn in this episode that there's only one guest in the whole inn. Mm -hmm. They're running at five rooms. And no, they're running on four rooms, and then the owner, Mia's son, says they have to close three more, which would only leave them with one. Yeah. So, like, you kind of see it coming in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then when it when it closes permanently, you're like, oh. <laughs> and honestly, to me, the more that I watch it, it's like the end of season, th- like the end of season three. You would think that. Um, the Independence Inn closing would have been, like, more of a big deal than it was. You know what I mean? Because Lorelai mentions, you know, like, oh, I grew up here. Roy grew up here. Like, it's kind of, I'm not going to say I wanted a send-off or a better send-off, but it seems to me that um, the Independence Inn closing is lost in a mix of graduation and money and uh, the dragonfly wanting, like the like the yearning for the dragonfly, like it seems to me they could have and should have made the Independence Inn closing a bit more of a bigger deal. So I don't know if you know this or not. There's a deleted scene for this episode. Oh yes, I forgot. Yeah. So um, the deleted scene for this episode that if you have the DVDs, it's on the DVDs and it's probably on YouTube. And yeah. I've seen it floating around on social media too. But it's exactly what you're talking about. They give it, they give the independence in a bigger send off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rory and Lorelai are walking after the graduation. Rory and Lorelai are walking through the empty rooms of the inn. Mm-hmm. And it kind of flashes back to when Rory was a little girl. Um, and Lorelai is like a teen mom. And she's like, don't run, blah, blah, blah. And they're kind of go back and forth. It's, kind of awkwardly done if you want my opinion Hmm. and I think it's better that they left it out (laughs) yeah um but it is exactly what you're talking about like they kind of reminisce a little bit on when they first got there and how it was their first home and they look at the empty room longingly and then they leave um I think the reason they just didn't keep that scene is because there was too much going on yeah like I'm saying if there had been less going on in the episode it probably would have fit but understandably, they cut it for time, and because I think I think ideally they want us to focus on the fact that Lorelai and Rory have such a rich future coming up. Yeah, I I also think they didn't want to focus like they didn't want to leave the episode sad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like hopeful. They wanted to be like optimistic. Yeah, like you know, you finish the episode on a high note. They're going to Europe. She's going to Yale. Everyone kind of gets what they want. She says it at the end. We're going to talk about it. Win, win, win. Like, Emily and Richard win. Rory wins. Lorelai wins. Um, And there's somewhat close... Like, there's some kind of closure with Jess, which we'll get to. I just think that, like you said, they wanted to focus on the future mm-hmm. rather than dwelling on the Independence Inn. Like, now there's going to be a new inn. Laura's going to get what she wants. Let's not talk about the Independence Inn anymore, you know? It's, be- it's better that it closed. Whatever. Let's not think about it. Yeah, and, like, you know I, mean? I think ev- I think even from season one, like, from the pilot, it was the always Lorelai's goal to one day own her own inn. Like, even in, in the first episode, 
Lorelai and Suki like are, like they remark, oh, well, one day when we have our own in, we're going to have this, we're going to do that. Like, yeah. So I think the fact that they were finally um, achieving that goal at the end of season three was more of a concern than the fact that the Independence Inn was closing. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it's better for us fans too, you know? Like we know it's, like you said, they've they've been setting it up since season one. So I think of all the things in the show that we've waited for, <clears throat> Luke and Lorelai, I think this is one of those things that we're like, yes, you know, you're finally moving on, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's why for me, not only was the scene a little bit, the, the deleted scene a little bit disjointed, the way it was shot and the writing and whatever, I think more than anything, they did a good job leaving it out only only for that purpose that I think we want to look forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also want to talk about something that stood out to me, maybe because of the election and maybe because of whatever. Um, <laughs> when Laura, when Laura, when Rory and Paris are, um, you know, they're waiting in line to do like their video send off. Yeah. What a bougie school, by the way, that they do a video fucking send off. But anyway. First of all. First of all, just sign a fucking yearbook and get the fuck out of here. But anyways, <laughs> um, so something that's speaking of things that we're analyzing way too much, I think this there's that scene really highlights the inclusivity problem that the show has. Ooh, interesting. Same. Tell me more. Tell you more. So, um. So, you know, you, you remember the scene, they're waiting for the girl to kind of get on with it. And yeah. she's like, love you, Marcy, love you, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you to the teachers. And she's thanking everyone. And then she's like, even the janitorial staff. And then the two names that she uses are Jose, I think, and Joaquin. Yeah. Why are all the, like, ethnic people in shitty jobs? Yeah, that for sure. Or, like, in the background. Like, the kitchen staff that Suki works with, everyone's Hispanic. It's true. The janitorial staff is Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Oh, but you couldn't put in a Hispanic student? It's true. Like, I don't know. Paris is nanny Portuguese. Hispanic. (laughs) We're meant to feel like she's Latin. Like, we don't really... You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely an inclusivity issue as we've talked about multiple other times, and I think it's also just a very white centric view that this show kind of upholds, and even still in the fandom, I find it's like still like a white people show, you know? Yeah, but that's it bugs me. Yeah, and it's like we we're talking about a couple of weeks ago with Tobin, mm-hmm. who is just like and like that is just is such a tired trope in itself um, of the you know to t- a tired but accurate trope of uh you know two gay men fighting over the like fighting to be the queen bee of a group of female friends right and just the fact that like it's it's clear to us through what we've been fed culturally that tobin is obviously gay just by his effeminate actions and voice but it's like what we're also supposed to assume that all janitorial and maid staff and kitchen staff they're all hispanic because hispanic people are automatically service employees that's the thing they're always in the service industry they're never i think it just bugs me more that like you had all these you had all these extras and i'm thinking of the final scene mm-hmm. you know in the final scene where it's like the graduate not the final scene but the final grad children scene the graduation where like you're looking at this law lo- it's all white people yeah all of them mm-hmm. there are no ethnic people there 
And, like, I'm sure that's still an issue that happens today in real life where it's, like, only the white bougie people can afford the school. And even if, like... like, This, this to me, is a little bit deeper because you consciously... You knew for this scene you were going to need a lot of extras. Mm -hmm. And you consciously chose... Maybe unconsciously, too. I can't say that. But you chose all white extras. Yeah. You know? So not only does that become a problem with the way you film your show and who you're hiring for the show... Um, but it also becomes a, pro- a representation problem at the end of the day, too, right? Yeah, and, I f- and not and not to condone, um, not not to condone like only hiring white extras or only seeking out white extras. But I think in I think in two thousand and three, and even much before two thousand and three, and after and after and beyond, I don't think um, that you know having such a diverse sets not only in not only in main cast but it's such a diverse set of characters in the background i don't think it was as much of a priority on like a uh, corporate level not to say that like amy from paladino herself was like i only want white people on my show no, that's not what i'm saying but i mean i think and by the way this is not an amy sherman paladino problem this no. is a bigger 2000s like it's the problem of the era shall we say yeah exactly so like, just to me, it stood out to me. I don't know if it's because we're really focused on, like, demographics now because of the election, but it really stood out to me. Um, no, I think it stands, I think it stands out to, it stands out to you more as time goes on, because you know now in, in this era, in the current era, that we are trying to do better in those areas. So it's, like, it's frustrating to look back and think, like, did you not try at all? No, exactly. Like, you really didn't try at all. Yeah. Um. So whatever, it just stood out to me, and it's something I wanted to bring up, because um we've said it before the more the more I watch old shows it's not that I I I fixate on these things but you can't help but notice it more now and I think part of the part of the way we move forward is by acknowledging the mistakes of the past for sure and then trying to correct them now right so it's just something that I kind of wanted to bring everyone's attention to should we talk about Rory and Dean oh good lord it was next on my list I have some thoughts Tell me all your thoughts. Um, so there's a lot of Rory and Dean foreshadow in this episode. Absolutely. And like only in that one scene that they share. But I haven't. I have some thoughts that kind of pertain to what we're going to be seeing in season four. Mm-hmm. And by the way, there's going to be no chill when we come to when we come to those areas of season four, dear family. Um, you little drama queen, you. <laughs> Well, there's not because as I was re- I was rewatching season four at the beginning of the summer and thinking to myself, oh Jesus, I'm gonna have so much to say when we get mm-hmm. to season four. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> tell me, tell me. Um, so I, I noticed specifically in the scene that Rory and Dean share um, at the end of the town meeting, where Dean is like kind of giving her the cold shoulder after her reaction to him telling her that he's getting married. Mm-hmm. Which, which, by the way, was a normal reaction. Yes, we've said that before. It's a normal reaction to question why you are marrying your high school girlfriend after four months of dating and you don't have concrete plans for your future. Pretty much. All that is normal. Thank you. So, do you notice how, like, Rory feels guilt? Like, you th- you're, you're, we're meant to believe that Rory feels guilty um, because, you know, she reacted badly to Dean's quote-unquote good news and so she like kind of approaches him saying like oh 
you know, pick, pick something out of this catalog, I'm going to buy it for you. Like, try to make amends. And, yeah. you, and I think we're meant to believe, like I said, that it's because she feels bad over how she reacted to the news. But I actually think it goes deeper than that. Oh. Um, and, as, and as a foreshadow to them eventually getting back together at the end of season four. Okay. Because just the way that, like, Roy's body language, and I noticed this a lot, I don't know why, in this particular viewing of this episode, just her body language towards him and how he's kind of, he's kind of standoffish, but still friendly. And it seems to me that Rory, like, feels guilty for just how her, her relationship has gone with Dean. Like, she still feels guilty over, quote unquote, leaving him for Jess and how he she treated him badly even though he did, he didn't do anything wrong to her apparently like that whole like that whole scene in the earlier episode um where she goes on the roof and yeah, is to apologize to him like i think Rory is still carrying around this guilt over how she treated dean it's like sweetie dean treated you like garbage but yeah. i think just i think just in general this that one scene we get a lot of what's to come between them it's like oh so you you kiboshed jess but let's by all means drag out dean for five more years um so yeah i so i i kind of feel the same i'm that whole conversation to me was a little bit weird like weird in the sense that i don't know why you keep dragging it out and obviously it's because i think at this point writers already know where they're going with season four Mm -hmm. um or at least Amy does. Um, but from a viewer's perspective, it's a little weird, like, that they keep coming back to this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Roy keeps trying to make nice, I don't know why. Like, he's marrying yeah. somebody else. Like, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact, you know, we always say that Roy wants people to like her. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly what Dean said to her when she went to the roof to talk to him. She's like, well, he's like, well, boohoo, somebody doesn't like you, you know? Um mm-hmm. So Rory's universal need to be liked, I think, plays a part in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also a really clever way for the writers to keep that al- that storyline alive. Yeah. Um, and make us think about it when we do eventually get the shit show that is Dean and Rory. Um, but I will I will say that that the 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 by Dean that she says to him at the end it does mm-hmm. seem a little bit final. Yeah, so, like, maybe, like you said, they had an idea of what they wanted to explore. And also knew that um, Jared Padalecki would be leaving the main cast. So it would only be, like, in a recurring capacity, just leaving the door open, but also not really sure how they wanted it to go just yet. So I think that the door was partially open or partially closed. Yeah, whatever it was, it's just, it seemed unnecessary to me. Mostly because, like, just, I think we can all agree that Dean and Rory had run their course by this point. Yeah. And I will say, it seemed, the whole scene seemed unnecessary to me until you get to the end where she does say that very final bye, Dean. And mm-hmm. then in my head, I was like, okay, so maybe they, this whole thing was just to say it's finally over. But it wasn't. But, it's but alas, no. Alas, yeah. But, I mean, in my head, I was like, okay, so maybe they did this because it's finally over. But it wasn't, and I'm mad, and I'm bitter. Um, <laughs> Can we move on to the money portion of this episode? Yes, please. So, longest pause ever. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lorelai finds out that 
well, she had already found out, but now it's pretty definite that she can't afford both the Dragonfly and uh, Rory's tuition. Yes. Um, so she and Suki decide to put the Dragonfly on the back burner um, so that Lorelai can pay for Yale. So yeah. here's a couple of things um, that I have to say about this whole uh, storyline of the money. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand how her not having the money anymore is a thing. Like, she doesn't have it. She gave it away. She had a loan to repay. Yeah. Why are you still telling her that she has too much money? Yeah. So, like, I think it's not clear um, what, like, how much money Lorelai actually had, like you said, because she obviously used the money that Richard gave her, like, used some of it to repay uh, Richard and Emily for Chilton. So how exactly is she then going to use the rent? Like, how does she then have enough to send Roy to Yale at all? Like, is that would have been enough to cut? Like, I don't understand. I'm lost. Yeah. So that's the thing. I'm also lost because they keep making reference in this episode to um, to the rest of Grandpa's money. Roy keeps saying, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of imagine that that $75,000 that Richard gave her, not all of it went back to Richard. No. For the loan. So she still has some left over, but it's not enough for financial aid, which, by the way, I looked it up. Um, one year at Yale is 72000 American dollars. Of course it is. In this day and age. So let's say 10 years ago or 20 years ago at this point, um, let's say it was, oh, I don't know, let's say it was $50,000. Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling me she still has that much, like, not that much, but she still has enough of that money not to qualify for financial aid for $50,000? Yeah. Okay, fine. Let's put that issue aside. My second issue with this whole thing is, where the fuck is Christopher? Oh, my God. That's what I thought. Like, I thought, I wrote my notes. Of course, Christopher isn't there. Like, no, but where the fuck is he in this conversation about paying for your child's education? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you were ready in season one. You said, let's be a family. That was obviously a stupid thing to say. Go fuck yourself. And at the end of season two, you were ready to get back together with Lorelai and, like, finally move on with your lives. So you would have had to help pay for school. Now, all of a sudden that you went and knocked up somebody else, you're, no, no, no responsibility to this 18-year-old. <laughs> um, sperm donor, not a father. No, but what the the fact that she has to like figure out the money situation all alone is so annoying to me and like she you can tell like she doesn't even think to ask christopher like it's like it's it's a non-issue non-issue even when she's telling emily at the graduation oh well he's out of town we promised to take pictures like who the fuck misses their child's graduation yeah like i think i don't i'm not gonna call it deliberate i think it but i think by this point in season three i think we're meant to believe that Christopher is doing what Christopher does best, and it's like being an absentee. Parent. Yeah, disappearing yeah. and being an absentee parent who then shows yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, we don't see Christopher in season four at all. True. It's only it's yeah because you think it's funny how like we don't miss him first of all. First of all, bye. And then, but when he does reappear in season five, it's like, oh right, you. Yeah, I know, right? You're like, oh, this fucker, I forgot about him. Like, you forgot all about him, and it's, like, so weird how they can find, like, it's so weird how the show and the and the characters function perfectly fine without him. It's like, why? You're like a mole on someone's No, but that's face. the thing. When he finally comes back, you're like, oh, my God, this motherfucker. And then you're like, 
you're just here to stir up shit again, aren't you? Yep. Oh, my God. Anyways, and then the third thing I have to say about the whole money situation is backpacking through Europe is not cheap, y'all. Oh, my God. True. I forgot. I See, they don't want us to think this hard about it because they're going to they're going to figure out that we're on to them and they don't and they don't know how to write. Like, I know backpacking. You're not staying in fancy hotels. You're staying in hostels. Yeah. It's still not fucking cheap, yo. Nope. <laughs> so why don't you put off your Europe plans? So maybe we're meant to believe that the money for Europe is like put aside and they're not touching that. But like, like you said, um, well, if obviously you get rejected by financial aid. It still exists. True. Oh. So yeah. But even then, like if, if money has gotten that tight, like maybe Europe is no longer a possibility or I need somebody to be a responsible adult. And it's I funny. Somebody- I think, I think Rory is the only person who's like up to the challenge to be, to, to like actually make things work. Okay, and the reason I said that is because in this episode, we finally see somebody taking charge, and it's not the adults. No. And that's what's frustrating to me. So as much as we say that Lorelai is like, she's a good mom, but she's she's very childish, it's, it's never more evident than in times like this, in times of crisis. We saw it previously in the episode with the house and the termites, and she needed a loan. Mm -hmm. Rory was also the one to swoop in there you know yeah so like in times of crisis it's almost as if she like like break I don't know breaks down closes her eyes makes a wish like I don't know what the fuck she's thinking (laughs) (laughs) closes her eyes and makes a wish (laughs) like she's still wanting to go to Europe but she doesn't have a job because the independence in closed and she can't buy her own in Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, we're gonna leave for Europe for three months, and hopefully, when we get back, kisses, everything will be good. See ya. But like, what the fuck? I like. I'm not sure if I've said this before, but I think I would like to argue now that um, the ways in which Lorelai is a good mother and a good parent are very much implied, and they're very much like you you imagine you imagine those things happening off screen, but like on screen in the action of these episodes. It's her being an immature child struggling to oh, make adult choices. She's a disaster. Yeah. She's a disaster. Because, like, any time that Rory or even Lorelai herself or anyone else, for that matter, who observed Lorelai being a parent when Rory was younger, like, we only met Lorelai and Rory when Rory was a teenager. So, like, everything else before that, we have to use our imagination. So I'm feeling that, like, any time that Lorelai had to step in and be a be a good parent was, like, in the past, and now we have to use our imagination. You I know just, what I mean? Yeah, no, I understand completely, and I agree with you completely. It's just, in times like these, I get so fucking frustrated. Like, make adult choices, Lorelai. No, but <laughs> exactly. Like, can you fucking... I don't understand you. <laughs> like, fingers crossed, everything's going to be fine. Let's go to Europe. <laughs> yes. So all this leads to Rory freaking out and going back to her grandparents and brokering a new deal with her grandparents, which brings back Friday night dinner. Yes. And I have to say, I've missed Friday night dinners. Yes. You know, I have too. Like, I've missed the interactions between Lorelai and her parents and Rory and her grandparents, you know? There's been really funny fucking scenes at Friday night dinners, and we've been deprived of that. Yeah, like like the, like the funny dinner table scenes. Exactly. 
So I have a question regarding um, Richard and Emily's new deal with Rory regarding Yale. Yes, tell me, I'm the expert. So, um, it so remember how Richard he counters the offer by saying, "I don't want you to pay me back until five years after you graduate, seven years if you go for your master's." Mm-hmm. And Lori and Roy's like, "Oh, but no, I need to pay interest." But she's being like a goody two shoes, like she does best. Um, I have to ask though, did Richard live long enough for Roy to pay him back in the way he suggested? So my theory is, I was thinking about this yesterday too. And my theory is that she never paid him back because when Christopher started paying for Yale, he paid them back. Mm, true. That's what I think happened. Because, like, I I, like, I remembered, obviously, that um, Christopher stepped in. But I was thinking, like, did Christopher pay Rory and then Rory use that money to pay them back? Or, like, what um, wasn't – obviously, it wasn't specified and wasn't important in the grand scheme of things. But we do know that if we use, we use our, our noggins, our brains, and our math – calculating abilities by the way (laughs) um by the time that rory would have been finished school hypothetically like he would like how long like at which point did richard die before a year in the life well we're well when the show opens Mm -hmm. it's winter Mm -hmm. and he died that summer okay so like Feasibly, it could have happened, but I was thinking in my head as you're saying, like, five years, seven years, if you if you go for your master's, like, five years after she graduated would have been within that time frame, so. Yeah, she still would have been alive, but in any case, I really think that, because um, Richard and Emily's check, if you remember, gets rejected by Yale. Right. Because Christopher already made the payment. Right. Okay, I forgot well, about that. I would just assume that he also paid them back for everything else. Like, he finally became a father. In monetary terms, let's say. In monetary terms. Yeah, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves, everyone. <laughs> um, okay, graduation. Um, isn't it so fucking sad that Paris's parents aren't there? Okay, you literally like you and I are just uh, separated at birth because I was just gonna say, can we move on to the graduation? And my first note is, isn't it sad that the only people who come to Paris's graduation are her nanny and her kids? Yeah. Seriously. Like, that is my first thought. I'm like, out of everybody you want to come to graduation, like, obviously, I think Paris loves loves Nanny more than she loves her, more than she, you know, has yeah. a mother or a father, but yeah. still. It's I mean, sad. it's so, and then you see, like, Paris talking about the kids, like, oh, she bowled a 140, whatever. Like, she clearly has a relationship with these kids, you know, and yeah. with Nanny. And it's just so fucking sad that your Nanny is more close to you than your fucking parents. Mm-hmm. And then that to me, I know it's such a small detail in the episode and it's meant to be like a happy episode because we finally get to see some, at least some of Paris's um, home life where she's a little bit happy. But for me, it was just so fucking sad. It is. Um, yeah. So there was that. Um, I don't know. It's just whatever. Let's not dwell on that because I also want to talk about the conversation that Rory and Lorelai have. Ah, uh, Yes. And so when Rory is telling Lorelai that she went to her grandparents' house to get a new deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one, like I said, I think it's really ridiculous that Rory has to be the adult. Mm-hmm. While Lorelai is like living on a prayer. Not even living on a prayer. <laughs> on a prayer. Um, I was thinking it's more just like delusions. 
Yeah, for sure. She's just like hoping something is going to happen at this point, whatever. Like that gif from season 11 of um, Drag Race where Ariel Pisacci is like, girl delusions. Yeah. <laughs> but it is fucking delusional. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. Um, and then, and then I have to say, like, for me, it's kind of weird how in this situation the roles are reversed and that. Rory is making sacrifices for her mother and not the other way around. Yes. Like, it should have been Lorelai sucking it up and going back to her parents and saying, this is our only option. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And if I know anything about parents is that they hate when their kids not do stuff for them, but you know what I mean? They, They think the role should be reversed. They're like, I'll give anything up for you so that you don't have to give anything up. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like you can tell that Lorelai would rather not buy her not like not achieve her goal and buy the dragonfly and instead of asking her parents for help again. Which by the way brings me to something else. You're so fucking proud. Mm, proud and, is a strong word. No, but I mean like put put your pride aside. Yeah. And, okay, fine, you're not going to buy your in. But now there's a bigger issue of how is your child going to get through school? Mm. Put Swallow your fucking pride. Mm-hmm. And then when Rory's explaining how everyone's like a win-win-win, she's like, well, can't, Lorelai says, can it just be a win-win? I'd rather my parents not get anything. <laughs> and so fucking cruel. Yes, and this is where you and I tend to, to differ a little bit and disagree, because to me, this is a bit of a foreshadow again for the events that end season five. Okay. Just because, you like, we've talked about it before in that Lorelai kind of fails to put herself in an adult's shoes and think, like, yeah, okay... This is this is how I acted for myself when I was a kid and teenager who had a child. But now I'm an adult who needs to step up and realize that my actions have consequences. Yeah, she lacks empathy. We've said it. Yeah, she lacks empathy. But on the other hand, I think you know we can we can argue until we're blue in the face that oh Lorelai hates her parents and wants to you know wants them to suffer apparently like a child, mm-hmm. which is childish and petty and you know we all feel like that sometimes. But I think knowing, obviously, having seen the show a thousand times through, that based on what happens at the end of season five, um, Lorelai isn't entirely wrong about those strings, shall we say, in my opinion. Okay, no. No. She No, meaning, no, she's not wrong. Okay. Not like now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, she's not wrong about the strings. But... At this point, I'm thinking, like, what other option did you have? Oh, for sure. At this point, like, not considering what happens later, for sure. She had no other option. Like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> like, grow up, first of all. And then... Grow up! I'm so tired of saying that in this podcast, but grow up. And she doesn't ever, not only does she lack empathy, but she, like, she doesn't realize when she's too far, like when, when she's too far gone. It's like then you then you come crawling and begging for help when you screwed when you've like royally screwed everything up. And yeah, exactly. Your child is eighteen and practically not even a child anymore, and you're still you're still pulling this crap. Like how did you how did you even get by for those first fifteen years? Seriously, I don't know, but I, I, <laughs> I don't know. 
I just I just think it's an overall really shitty situation. And then the fact that she says, I don't want my parents to get anything after like, I know you've had your differences with your parents, but there's no doubt that they love you. OK, they show it in a really shitty way sometimes, but they do love you and they have helped you in the past and they are currently saving your ass again. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't want them to get anything. Poof. Yeah, I think I, th- I think I'm like already jaded by how shitty her parents become later. But if we're only focusing on the present. Yeah. Then... Don't, yes, Jeffrey, obviously. Don't think about later. I think that's how my brain works. So like, especially as but don't actor, do it, bitch. <laughs> I think that's how my brain works in regards to having seen a show all the way through so many times. Like I, I think of the characters in the in the span of their journey through the show. And it's like. You know how they act now, but then, oh, well, wait, hold on, hold on to your hat because later they're going to bite you back. You yeah. Know? No, I know. But I mean, at this point, we have to think like this is all I know it's hard, but we have to think this is all we have in front of us. We don't know the future yet. She's being petty. Move on. <laughs> we don't know the future, right? We're lying. We don't know the future. We don't know the future. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Rory's graduation speech. Here come the waterworks. Yeah, so do you, I, that's what I want to ask you. Do you get emotional when you hear Rory's speech? No blubbering. No, a little bit. But, like, honestly, to me, it seems that even on television, um, all valedictorian speeches sound the same. Like, I've been to enough graduation ceremonies, including my own, and all of the valedictorian speeches, like, seem to have the same tone. Like, is there some kind of template site that everyone goes to to write these? And Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you have to do like listen we we don't hear the whole speech but you have to do like oh my god we're finally here and then you have to do the thank you to all our teachers and to the felt my fellow students like you have to do certain things you know um but i found it really sweet that she thanked her grandparents and she thanked her mom and maybe it was just hormones when i watched it and like impending election doom but i did cry a little bit because i Uh, i miss my mommy yeah all that too yeah um i didn't get emotional this time but like in the past i think when the the first time that i watched it it was i'm not gonna say um sad but it was like you think in that moment like oh when they finally made it hold on to your hat yeah but i also think it's more i think a lot of people get emotional number one because you see the fact that Suki and Jackson and Luke came too. Mm-hmm. So that to me is um, a testament to how, how like Lorelai raised her kid that everyone kind of loves her. Yeah. Um, and like Luke being the surrogate father being there for her, mm-hmm. um, which always gets me. And then I also think that the reason you're getting, you, the reason a lot of people get a little bit emotional at this point in the show is because it's kind of the end of an era. Yeah, it's like the end of one world and the beginning of another. Yeah, so this end of, like, the Chilton world where we were kind of, where the mother-daughter relationship is still very close because they're living together and it's still high school, so everything's okay. And you're kind of going to the more uncertain territory where, from a fan's perspective, you're like, how are they going to be able to keep up the mother-daughter banter from afar? Mm-hmm. And there's just so much up in the air, too. So I think, like, that combined with the actual words and the people that are there, it's enough to make you be like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. 
I've definitely said this before, but I think um, the way that they maintained the mother the mother daughter relationship and banter in season four was actually quite superior to seasons one to three, in my opinion. Yeah, so I think they did a really good job too, and we're going to talk about it more next season. But I mean, at this point in the game, when you don't know, and it's just the fucking season finale of season three, and you're like, what's going to happen? I think it's enough to get to you. You're like, oh my god, are they going to change my favorite fucking show? Yeah, and I think I and I think I said this before too, how the first time that I watched Gilmore Girls, like I was in like I was in my first year of college, so it was like when when I got to season four, it kind of felt more like my own dialogue and my and like I could see myself more in the, the situations. Mm-hmm. I didn't go away and stay in a dorm, thank God, but still the same the same dialogue a little. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely feel like people can relate. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing I want to talk about, I don't know what you want to talk about, but we're going to go with what I want to talk about. (laughs) Because she's the queen bee, bitch. Yes, I am. Um, no, but the last thing I want to talk about, and then we can get to what you want to talk about, (laughs) is the Rory and Jess conversation. Yes. How can we forget? Or should I say Rory's monologue? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Rory's getting a couple of hangups on her phone. Mm Mm-hmm. And Lorelai says, you've been getting a lot of those lately. Yeah. And Rory goes into the hall, hallways of Chilton, I guess, mm-hmm. and says, Jess, I know it's you, and then proceeds to unload on him mm-hmm. and says, you didn't handle things well at all. You could have talked to me. And then the line that I think really gets people emotional <laughs> is, I think I may have loved you, but I have to move on now. Yes. So that gets me more than her sappy valedictorian speech okay so me too (laughs) i agree with you that also gets me more because oh my god what could have been it could have been great for sure definitely what could have been and also i think this time around having you know analyzed and discussed thoroughly the potential spinoff that didn't happen it's like i think from a writer's point of view amy sherman palladino and daniel palladino did a really good job at like leaving the door so wide open for the for whether or not Windward Circle would have gotten picked up. Mm-hmm. And now having already, you know, discussed so much about the backdoor pilot for that show, it's like, well, why? Like, it, would, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been very good, but why? You could have just given us one season of that. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you. I definitely think that last episode and this episode – they were gearing up for it, and then it didn't happen. And I definitely see how people could have been upset mm-hmm. um, because they set the stage, right? And you're you're excited at that point to learn what would have happened. You think season four is wide open. They kind of left the door wide open for Jess to come back, and he did in a way, but not in the way we would have wanted. And then you're excited to learn more about Jess's life. Um, but alas, the WB bitches and didn't didn't give it to us yeah well it doesn't happen and then you you start to think of like why couldn't they just be together for a little bit longer that and the fact that you know again i'm my inability to just stay in the present stop knowing things (laughs) you just know that they then draw out dean and rory again they go back to that so many other times in seasons four and five and it's like why that door should have been closed like, slam it shut, lock it, deadbolt it. I don't care. Just get him off my screen. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> get a haircut. 
get a haircut especially oh my god i cannot cannot with a season four hair oh god not just a bean but with a lot of characters and not we're gonna get back to that <laughs> um, yeah so it's just it's a really sad moment because it's very finally being able to say everything you can feel she wanted to say while they were together but yeah. didn't want to push him but you can tell like she has nothing left to lose right he already left so she's just gonna unload yeah I think it was I think it was good for her that she had that monologue. Yeah, and I think for me anyways, it's the equivalent of the scene where we saw Jess screaming at his dad. Mm-hmm. This is Rory's turn to kind of um get everything off her chest. For it's sure. not as dramatic as Jess's scene, but it's definitely the only time maybe in their relationship where she's been brutally honest with him. Definitely. Um and it's not even a relationship anymore. No, I think it's just her I think she, I think regardless of what happened, Rory wouldn't wouldn't have had a problem being honest with him. But the fact that he just screwed things up so badly and just and left like he did, it was just so unfair to her, first of all. And also, just why couldn't we have had the spinoff to have seen what he was going through a little bit more? But no. Yeah. No. Um. But I kind of disagree with you. I don't think she would have been honest with him eventually in their relationship. In what way? Meaning, I don't think, like, had he not left, Mm -hmm. I don't think Rory would have had the courage to talk to him, um, honestly, the way she did in that monologue. So, in my head, in my head, (laughs) even if, let's say he hadn't left and he apologized to her, I think Rory was just so scared of his not scared but I think she was just like apprehensive about his reactions and didn't want to push him too much just like everyone in like just like Luke doesn't want to push him just like just like everyone doesn't want to push him I think Rory falls into the camp of people who don't want to push him yeah and don't want to say the wrong thing so kind of tiptoe around him Mm -hmm. so I don't think that would have changed no, so I agree. I agree with you with you in terms of if the relationship had just stayed the way it was and he hadn't have, you know, screwed up again like he had done before. I think um, I think it was only in in the context of his screw ups that allowed her to be honest and be like, you didn't handle things well and you could have done this. I think it was the fact that he screwed up so many times and left and then came back and then didn't come back. Like I think. Having been jolted around so much by him gave her the courage and the confidence to be like, no more. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think, I think if they had made up um, the way some of us were hoping that they would have after the party, I don't think their rela- their relationship, I think, would have stayed the same. In the uh, sense that Rory wouldn't be speaking her mind. And yes, while he would have apologized, I don't think his actions would have changed as much, as much as I would have liked him to. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think it really did take this mm-hmm. to push them. Yeah. And, uh, well, at least to push Rory into saying what she should have said all along, you know? Yeah. <sighs> so it is. <laughs> I have two more things to say. Tell me. Um, one of which I'm surprised you didn't bring up. Tell me. There's a lot that I didn't bring up, I know. <laughs> I think Brad should have been valedictorian. Okay, so can we talk about Brad's speech? <laughs> his speech or his solo? Bong, bong. Oh, my God. I wanted a full scene of just that. Like, imagine that you're valedictorian. Like, I have a song to sing. Bong, bong. <laughs> and I think the way they did it with, like, 
going back to Madeline and Louise going like, oh, come on, Brad, go out a winner. Yeah. And then getting like secondhand embarrassment for him. For sure. Oh, poor Brad. Poor Brad. Once again, for the last time this season, poor Brad. But he was killing those bongbongs. <laughs> and he's like name dropping too, like, well, my time at Tilton was cut, was briefly cut short by my time on Broadway with Listen. Stephen Sondheim. Brad doesn't have much. Let him name drop. <laughs> You're right. I'll give it to him. Poor Brad. Bong, bong. <laughs> and oh. my last question for you. Tell me. Is what do you remember about your high school graduation? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> so my high school graduation was at Place des Arts. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, which is all of you, um, <laughs> Place des Arts is like a big venue in Montreal where like a lot of people perform. Mm-hmm. And the reason we had it there is because our our graduating class is 2,000 people. Oh, wow. Um, no, sorry. <laughs> our graduating class, the whole hall, we needed to accommodate 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. But our graduating class was like 500 kids. Yeah. So we needed a like a hall big enough. Um, and tickets were limited and whatever. So my high school graduation was three and a half hours long. Oh, Jesus. Obviously, because we had that many people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, the way they did it was ridiculous because we still, we had like, it was final exams for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And graduation was like smack dab in the middle of the week, like I think on a Wednesday. Yeah. And the next day we still had fucking exams. Yep. And graduation was at night. Ugh. I was yeah. so fucking annoyed. I had my notes, by the way. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> but, like, everyone was, I think we couldn't fully enjoy it because we still had exams and it wasn't even like we passed all our exams. Yeah, it's true. So I think, I think that happens to a lot of people where it's like convocation is beginning of June and then you still have exams for the rest of June. Yeah, so it was just... Um, I, I remember it. I remember it being a blur. Um, you're not sitting with anyone that you know, obviously, because it's alphabetical. Mm-hmm. So in our school, we kind of had two different programs. Mm-hmm. So you would spend like half the graduating class was in one program and half the graduating class was in another. So yes, you knew people from the other program, but you were more or less with the same people for the five years of high school. Yeah. So sometimes you were sitting next to people. I know I was in between two people that I didn't really interact with for my whole freaking high school thing. So I guess it would have been nicer to have somebody next to you. Um, I don't know. It was fucking long. I was tired. I was cranky. I was whatever. We had to be there early to like rehearse. Oh, God. And they were yelling at us that we didn't do it properly. I'm like, how fucking hard is it to walk, people? Like, it was just, it was a mess. <laughs> and you were the class of which year? I was the class of 20, 2009. Ah. Well, I'm a, as, as you all know, I'm like, she's like a grandmother to me. Cause I'm, I'm ancient. <laughs> <laughs> she, so I'm actually five years younger than Eleni. If there was Ooh. anyone who was wondering the age difference. Get out of here. <laughs> so I was the class of 2015, which mm-hmm. wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Was not. It feels like like a century ago now. Um, so mine was a lot less formal in comparison to yours. Can I just say something? Yes. Before we even met, 
mm-hmm. like formally met. Yeah. I saw your graduation pictures on your mom's phone. <laughs> Oh, of course you did. Because when you graduated high school, I graduated university. Oh, there it is. See how, see, big age difference. Yeah, that's how old I am. Um, So <laughs> your mom, I remember your mom asking me, like, how to, because that weekend, I graduated on a Monday, I remember. Mm-hmm. And that weekend I was working and your mom was like, how was graduation? I was like, oh, it was nice. She goes, do you have any pictures? And I showed her pictures and then she showed me pictures of your high school graduation. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Anyways, go on. <laughs> so um, my high school was right across the street from, like, our public pool and arena. Mm. So we had ours, like, pre- like so the picture, you know, like a big hockey venue, but it's more like yeah. a local arena with the ice covered, and that's where we had our, our convocation. Yeah. Um, in comparison to you at Place des Arts, it sounds very, very less informal. I would have preferred uh, your informal stuff. <laughs> informal, yes. Um, so my my class was very small in comparison to yours. I don't remember how many kids we were. We were pretty big in the grand scheme of things, but not as big as 500, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing was, because it was it was an arena, like we were sitting on the covered glass, ob- glass, the covered ice, obviously. And we had like there was still coverings all over the the bleachers as if there would have been a hockey game. So <laughs> the sound was kind of muffled for the audience. Oh, good Lord. And they couldn't really like they could hear it depending on where they were sitting. But if you were sitting on the other side, you were like not hearing anything because all the mics and the speakers were on like down on the ice. So you couldn't really hear much if you were far away. So there were a lot of people complaining like I didn't hear my kid's speech at all. And it's funny. Funny at the time and funny now, but at the, for them, maybe not. So yeah. I remember, like, it was, I think it was a Tuesday. Tuesday. Like, it was definitely not a Friday. It was, like, during the week. We still had exams. Random days. Jesus Christ. I know. We still, we had, like, I don't even know anymore. Just, I don't remember very much, clearly. But we de- there was definitely still exams to be done. No one was really... Like, no one was really stressed about them, but it was still, it still felt incomplete, like, with you and having your notes with you. Yeah, like, you don't, it's not, you're not even fully in the moment. Like, I remember when we could finally toss our caps in the air. I was like, oh, fuck it, I have to study. Just like. <laughs> yeah. Which is shitty, because, like, you want, like, why would they schedule it that way when you're not going to. Yeah, you want to be able to feel that joy that comes with, like, I finished five years, I've accomplished so much. But really, you haven't finished shit yet. Yep. Oh. <laughs> so, I remember that I was sitting ne- I was sitting next to a girl who, had been, who, had, who was, like, a bully in, like, grade seven and eight. And she, like, she ended up being, like, everyone, not everyone's, but she ended up, like, trying to be everyone's best friend by the end of high school. And she'd be, she'd be like, sign my yearbook. Oh, I want to sign yours. Like, she physically took a selfie with me sitting next to her at this event. And I'm like, you were such a bitch for at least four and a half years of these, of this experience. Um, That's not a memory I want to have. But unfortunately, I still have it. So there's that and that's pretty much all I remember because it was extremely hot that day we were all sweating and dripping and it was very uncomfortable wow, um, I, I actually don't I don't remember much about going out and getting my diploma because I was just so tired and sweaty but I don't like outdoor that. graduations <laughs> you know that's why I say that though is because my uh, my university outside graduation 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we were obviously more than like a thousand kids for university, right? But I remember it was outside. It was in June, and it was one of the coldest days. And my poor grandmothers were like huddled. It was in a tent. It was like on and off raining. I had an umbrella that I fucking lost along the way. Uh, No. (laughs) Do it indoors. That's so funny. Oh, ridiculous. And on the the last thing we'll say about graduation, just because, you know, uh, classes of 2020 were kind of derailed by this level year we've had. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a tweet that I saw around um, end of May, beginning of June, when convocations would have been happening. And it was like, you want to reenact your convocation? Put on a shower curtain and sit in the and sit in the sun for three hours while someone reads from a phone book. And like put on a fucking bag, bagpipe soundtrack in the background. Because that's yeah. what I got for my university. Three hours of bagpipe playing. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with these bagpipes. <laughs> Long story short, we don't like bagpipes. No. Like, who invented this shit? <laughs> no, for real. I don't know. I think, what, the Irish? Are they Irish or Scottish? Scottish. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> Anyways. Um, anything else we wanted to say for this episode? I think that's it. Do we have any bracket updates? We have a bracket update. Um, I'm going to give you a n- this bracket. We're trying to like make it last for the whole podcast. <laughs> um, no, but we have another matchup. Do we? Yeah, we do. Why not? Okay. Do tell. Do tell. Um, so last week's um, we're still waiting for the results of last week's, but we got between 522 and 519, 522 won. Mm. So I think you guys like the season finales. I would think so. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, who can blame you? We're going to do Face Off 315. Yes. Versus 118, the third war away. Oh, I'm going to have to go with the Face Off. Good for you. Who knows what you guys are going to pick? You've been like. Well, clearly, fucking America. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we've concluded the po- the politics portion of this uh, podcast. I know, but I can't help but keep coming back to it. I know it's the elephant in the room, but for this, but for this conversation, the the duration of this episode, I did kind of forget about it. So there was oh, that. That's nice. Hopefully, you guys will forget about it too when you're listening to us. Um, I did want to ask you. What do you think your favorite part of the season was? Um, th- like the season three of Gilmore Girls or season three of Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism? Both. Or both? Both? Okay. Yeah. So I would say my favorite moment of season three of Gilmore Girls would be either um, Jess and Rory's like first embrace in Luke's apartment where, the, you know, he's like, oh, that school you're really paying off. You're so funny. It's an embrace. <laughs> well, um, then either see either that or um, the moment we all agree where they where they, where they deserve better with the uh, the head kiss. Yeah. And he looked it up and he looked yeah. it up. And we should, we we deserve so much more, but we didn't get it. Okay. Well, you're gonna have to let that go eventually. You know that, right? I know. I know. Okay. It's hard though. It's hard though. Um, I have two favorite moments of this podcast season, though. 
Tell me. The first one is woo divorce. <laughs> and I don't even remember what you said that in response to now. I don't even know anymore either. But now it's just like one of our catchphrases. And if anyone knows why I said woo divorce, please tell me. <laughs> woo divorce. <laughs> Yeah, now we just so, say it randomly to each other and we text it randomly to each other. <laughs> that, we text that randomly and we also text, don't you see, everything has come down to the cultural conversation if no one's buying my books. Oh my god, every time you say it. <laughs> oh, Joanne, oh, we don't love you. Yeah, I don't uh, know. So that and my other favorite moment would have to be us. Two self-proclaimed pop culture enthusiasts not knowing that the title of the Dance Marathon episode was a reference to a famous and well-known film. Listen, I've made peace with the fact that we fucked that episode up. Okay, okay, I'll make peace with it now, too. I've made peace with it only because I think about the fact that how they fucked it up, too. True. Like, the writers, and I'm like, if they could fuck it up, I could fuck it up. (laughs) And like like we said, if if we think too hard if we think too hard about the dance marathon episode, none of the, none of the logistics make any sense. So exactly. So you know what? We're fine. Don't worry about we're, it. We're fine. Yeah. Um, Tell me I your really, favorites. Yeah, I really enjoy talking to Samantha. Yeah. Oh, for sure. How could I forget that? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed um, speaking with her. Well, first of all, speaking with another Gilmore Girls fan in general, but she was just so eloquent and her article was really great. And um, we chatted yesterday, actually, oh, about election anxiety. So <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed bringing someone new into the conversation. And I hope we can do that in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the fact that we gained a lot more followers and that we could have meaningful conversations with them. Yeah, especially like um, being able to bring like bring listeners' opinions and questions into our conversations. Exactly. So I, I'm glad that we were able to grow our audience um, to include more voices. For sure. Even if in an indirect way. Um, favorite part of the season for me was just um, I think character development wise in terms of where we started with Jess in season two and where he ended up being able to express himself, even if he's still in a shitty place, mm-hmm. I think we got to see a different side of him, which I really enjoyed. Um, it didn't end the way I wanted it to, obviously. No. <laughs> but I think it went really well. And I think overall in this season, everybody's acting game kind of went up a notch. True, they did. And the show got, and the show went from being this thing that I don't think a lot of people took seriously, even though the writing was great, to because the, all the actors kind of elevated their acting skills, I mm-hmm. think the show was taken a lot more seriously. I would agree with that. Oh, good. <laughs> so for me, I think just character development wise, I really enjoyed the show. And I think um, because we've had time now to kind of analyze behaviors and um, where people are coming from, um, it's given me new appreciation for kind of the nuanced scenes. So like yeah. scenes between Luke and Jess that I always thought were like, oh, cute. But now I think there's like more behind them, you know, for sure. um, you know, getting to analyze Lane's relationship with her mother, I think is really important. We're going to have so much more of that. in season. Oh four. yeah, for sure. But I think it's just like the tip of the iceberg right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we laid we laid a good foundation for talking about it in the future, and 
yeah, there's going to be so much more. I'm really excited for the next couple of seasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, season three was a good, good season. Overall, I think we, uh, you know, got the job done. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's our job, right? <laughs> we 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 uh we set the rules for what the job is. So yes, we got it done. And I'll I'll also add that I think it's it's still very much overwhelming sometimes when we get messages from people, you know, not nasty rape condoning messages. Yeah. Well, saying, we get some good messages. <laughs> yeah, some good, nice positive feedback saying that like, you know, our podcast brings them joy and comfort in what has been such a shitty year for mankind. Like that was not even anywhere on our minds when we dreamed up this podcast, quite literally dreamed up this podcast. Literally I dreamed it. Um, So the fact that, you know, it brings you some kind of comfort and stability is more than we could ever ask for. So thank you very much for always listening. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I will second that. I really love getting those messages. We're like, hey, you guys made my day, or this post is hilarious. Thank you. Um, keep sending us those. <laughs> yes, please. And please, like, send us those and tell your friends, if you know them, to stop sending us nastiness. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't know when we're going to be resuming season four. Are we, like, aiming for early, early in the new year, kind of? Yeah, we're aiming for early in the new year, number one, because, um, you know, like we said, this year has been a shit show, and we kind of need time to decompress, mm-hmm. um, and Jeffrey's still in school, don't forget. Unfortunately, yes. I'm a drama, um, Jeffrey's still in school. <laughs> I, but it's funny how that I've kind of worked worked this lovely podcast so into my schedule that it's like a welcome, a welcome distraction from everything that's going on, so... We won't be gone for too long because, you know, we need, we're need we still going to need distraction in 2021. Exactly. Um, like we said, coronavirus doesn't expire on January 31st, on December 31st, I mean. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Um, we might maybe do some bonus episodes like last time, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see how bored we get. <laughs> Don't worry, though. We won't be gone for long. You will no. be back before you know it. Just a little hiatus in between seasons like we usually do. And uh, don't forget, we're still going to be very active on Instagram and Twitter. There's a bunch of shit to post. Don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> yes, mental health allow, mental health allowing, of course. Of course. But, you know, we're going to try and stay very active mm-hmm. on the uh, social media sphere. And uh, we hope that you will still be here when we resume, as of course you will, because, you know, you're with you're with us for life now. Okay, relax. (laughs) Once a coffee with a shot of cynicism listener, always a coffee with a shot of cynicism listener. Say that five times fast. I feel like that went way smoother in your head, but when it came out of your mouth, you were like, I instantly regret this. Yeah, I do. I did. (laughs) I know you so well. She does. Everyone, take care. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, um, things will have calmed down politically. Lord. Good Lord. Just take the wheel. We love you. We love you. Love you so much. <laughs> Bye we'll guys. See you soon. Yes. Bye guys. <laughs>